Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. Presenting the very best panels, seminars, and other discussions concerning game design and publishing. This has been made possible by Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Now to the show. Episode 60, Disability in Gaming. Recorded at Metatopia 2014. Presented by Russell Collins, Elsa Henry, and Shoshana Kessar. Uh, what time is it just right now? I can start talking. You, yeah, why don't you start and I'll just... Awesome. Hi, guys. Hello. How's it going? Hi. Uh, so thank you for joining us uh, in the middle of the day. I do apologize if I'm a little spacey. Uh, I just fell asleep because of my medication and now I'm awake. So uh, it's going to take me two minutes to catch up. So um, my name is Shoshana Kessak. I am uh, a game designer uh, and I'm here as part of this wonderful panel. Uh, that we are going to be doing about disability uh, in gaming. Um, we are going to be joined very shortly by Elsa Henry. She's just finishing up a playtest, as I said. Uh, and I'm going to let Russell introduce himself. Uh, Hi, I'm uh, Russell Collins. I am the uh, designer behind uh, Tears of a Machine, um, which I made as an accessible audiobook uh, since uh, my day job is with uh, Learning Ally. It's a nonprofit organization that uh, works to make books and other material accessible to dyslexic and blind students. Awesome. Yeah, more about that later. Uh, to tell you a little bit about what I do, um, I am the co-founder of Phoenix Outlaw Productions. We are a tabletop and uh, LARP company. Um, I'm also a, a, a games uh, academic. Uh, I've read you know, about different portions of the game world, but especially LARP. Um, but specifically what brings me to this panel is uh, in the course of my life, uh, recently especially, I've been, you know, um, on different ends of being uh, uh, disabled and, and, and sort of dealing with the, um, the different kinds of disability that I have in my life. Um, I have no problems talking about it, so I'm completely cool with it. I am uh, both uh, bipolar uh, as well as I have uh, fibromyalgia, which and I was in a car accident, which has caused some spinal damage and issues, uh, which is where the chair comes in. Um, I am an avid uh, boffer LARPer, so uh, people can understand how frustrating that must be to not be able to go into combat. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, which is my sort of new uh, project, which is how to boffer LARP while in a wheelchair. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, like, I believe um, you probably also pitched this panel, but I think, was it? Oh, but I, I, I know I did. So maybe we, you know, there was some convergence, apparently. Yeah, about aligning... Uh our ideas, because they sort of come from that same core idea of making sure that everyone has, you know, has the opportunity to game and they don't feel held back. Uh, you know, what we can do to make sure it's inviting and make sure that it's, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's um, free of judgment and free of exclusion. Yeah, and it's been it's been my experience, uh, you know, that uh, there's a lot of ways in which um, people of, who are otherly abled can be um, accidentally sort of brushed to the side when it comes to games um, and um, in some cases in ways that can be easily solved and in some ways that are a little bit more complicated that could be um, looked at and could be uh, a challenging game design prospect but can actually still be solved. Um, so the idea is um, 
we're going to take, you know, each of us has got a little bit of our different, you know, uh, direction that we want to take in it. Uh, it seems like I'm going to start, which is uh, awesome. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Elsa's going to come in and she's going to talk in a little bit. And then Russell's going to wrap us up and then we'll have hopefully some time for questions. Um, do we have a timer just in case to make sure I get my clock here? Um, yeah, we're going to have... Um, I got my phone. It lives here. Let's see. Uh, cool. It's under Rocket Raccoon. All right. I'm not kidding. I have a rocket raccoon. Have a rocket raccoon in my bag. All right. So awesome. So I want to start by talking a little bit about you know my background as a game designer. We're going to start there because that's sort of where I'm approaching a lot of this from. Um, actually, I'll start the other way. Um, I was diagnosed bipolar when I was 16 years old. So I've been bipolar well for probably longer, but that's as far as I've known about it. Um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia at 26. Uh, I was in a car accident when I was in 2005. Um, so the car accident damaged my uh, two vertebrae, uh, one in my neck and one in my lumbar spine. Um, hey, um, that was earlier than I thought. Um, yay. This is Elsa Henry. I'm going to let her introduce herself as soon as I stop talking. Um, so here we go. We Actually, why doesn't Elsa start? And, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hon? Hi, uh, my name is Elsa Henry. I run Blind Lady Versus, which is uh, gaming reviews by a low vision gamer, me. Um, I'm also a game developer and designer. I work for Phoenix Outlaw, and I'm publishing a book with Evil Hat, which is Disability for Fake Core. Mm -hmm. yep. She's writing for me. So, um, yes. So I'm. Gonna, so I was going to start, and then you were going to get your chance to talk for a little while, and then Russell was. Cool. cool. All right. So yeah, so I was just starting. Um, so yeah, so in my time, I've you know encountered being differently abled in different ways. Uh, my back injuries over the years have gotten worse, uh, and so in the last year, I found myself, uh, you know, using a wheelchair uh, to get around. I can move, uh, but uh, sometimes better than others. And in doing so, I encountered not only a great deal of uh, what you would consider um, perhaps disparagement within the gaming community um, within the world, but specifically in the gaming community. Um, but uh, also a lot of challenges about doing the things that I used to love, uh, and I still love, like gaming. Oh my god, you're amazing. Thank you, Craig. Um, that was necessary. Um, so what were the big challenges that I was running into? Um, so as a, as, a, as a gamer, one of the things that, you know, is, is you know, obvious is, is mobility issues. That, let's start there, because that's the most obvious of the issues that I've been dealing with. One is, um, I'm a buffer LARPer. I enjoy doing combat games. Uh, I do not enjoy playing support roles. Uh, I was a frontline fighter that led 300 people into combats against zombie hordes. That's what I do. Uh, I run through the forest, I run into things, I, you know, fight. Um, and I was doing it with back injuries for years. I was, you know, for, for like three and a half years, uh, carrying like 30 pounds of armor on my back. And what would happen is that somewhere along the lines, I would just sort of, uh, I would start feeling my back pain, and then I would sort of have to stop or fall over. And then, you know, my friends would help me get back, and, and everything was great. Um, and the only the only reason I would do that is because I was told there really there's no way. Like, if you want to be a combat character, you have to be able to run. You have to be able to get from place to place. If the zombies come after you, you have to be able to run away. Uh, and otherwise, oh, you should just go play a crafter, or maybe just stay out of the combats. And I'm just like. There's got to be a way to still be involved without actually falling down and killing myself by accident. Um, turns out that there really wasn't for a really long time because I would still have to run around and I would end up you know, having to break character if I was in really bad shape uh, and stop and occasionally leave events 
Um, I had an event where, you know, I, I afterwards almost had to go to the hospital. Like, I've, I fell a couple of times, which, you know, put me in worse shape. At which point I started thinking, like, as a game designer, is there a way to do this in a manner by which, you know, somebody who is differently abled, who can move in different ways, uh, can still uh, be part of the combat without uh, falling and, and, you know, destroying themselves in the process. Um, I... Uh, ended up very shortly thereafter in the wheelchair and then the uh, the question became even more important to me uh, can you do wheelchair combat is that a thing that I can do uh, I got a lot of pushback from a lot of people who not not staff members of this game uh, like but other players who were like that's very strange we don't know what to do with that what happens if you roll over our fingers or our feet and I said I've been stomped on by you guys plenty of times <laughs> like I have fallen over and been stepped on and jumped on and landed on uh, the chair is wheels. It'll hurt. It happens. Um, but hopefully that won't happen. But there was this notion that somehow, because I was in the chair, I am now automatically more clumsy, more incapable, less capable of fighting. Um, so I've made it a new initiative to try and uh, re to, to engage with the staff of, of this game and to see if it is possible. This is a brand new initiative that I'm working on. Uh, tune in shortly to see how this is going. Uh, but so far I've, I've been training with the wheelchair just to see if it was possible and to see if there are ways in which we need to adjust the actual game mechanics uh, to incorporate. Um, because in, in my eyes, and the reason I'm telling that entire story is because in my eyes I believe that you know uh, game mechanics are here to uh, show us, uh, to make it possible for us to do things that we can't otherwise do actually in real life usually, right? Especially in LARPs. In, phys in tabletop it's, it's a little different. You're sitting there and you're imagining things and you're not actually hitting each other. In LARPs, skills are usually, hopefully, yeah, you're not hitting each other with things at the table. Um, but uh, when you're doing a live-action role-playing game, the idea is that you're supposed to be using skills or, or things to simulate. Even the buffer combat is supposed to simulate actual combat. So if you are simulating things in the first place, um, why can you not design things to make it more accessible to people so that it can everybody can be involved in the simulation as opposed to just those who are, you know... Uh, healthy or perfectly abled or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I have no good words for it. Uh, maybe you can know. Able-bodied. Able-bodied is a good one. Okay. So that's one of the initiatives that I'm sort of working on because I believe that as, as game designers, and I'm going to say this and someone somewhere is going to get mad at me, I believe that as, if as a game designer you don't include these things, you're making a choice to do so. If you do not include um, you know, mechanics and, and uh, ways in which everybody can be involved, you're making that choice. You're making a choice to believe that people who are differently abled cannot do combat in your game. You're making that as a design choice. And for the, and, and at that point, if that's what you choose, good. I mean, that's your choice. But I then have the right to say that I think that's kind of lazy game design. I think that that's your choice to say that this is the kind of... You're then making a statement about the kind of person that you want to be playing in your game. And I can understand that people feel that way, it doesn't make me happy at all, and I think that it needs to change. Um, that's on the physical side of things, and I'm trying to hurry up because I don't want you guys both get to talk. Um, I'm also a very serious advocate uh, about uh, talking about mental illness also as a as a, uh, a disability and an issue that, that people uh, have. It is also an invisible uh, ailment and uh, oftentimes comes with a great deal of stigma. Um, but also mental illness can be extremely, of all, of all kinds, can be extremely difficult to deal with uh, when you are in the gaming community, when you're gaming with other people. Um, 
I specifically, I have bipolar disorder. Um, I'm medicated and treated. It does not necessarily mean that I don't get uh, manic episodes and depressive episodes triggered by events in games. Happens all the time, especially at LARPs. You're running around. You're not sleeping. You're you're you know you're not eating well. You're probably not drinking enough water. And those things can all trigger episodes of, of different kinds of uh, issues that a person might have. Um, these things uh, can be mitigated uh, with a little bit of game design and concern and preparation. Even in tabletop games, honestly, when they're really intense, you guys are having a, a nine-hour-long dungeon crawl and you know people are sitting there and getting really intense and somebody forgets to take a break to eat something uh, or isn't getting enough sleep or two people are yelling at each other and suddenly it triggers something off and... Um, there are ways in which people can take into consideration uh, mental illness and, 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 and the manners by which people have to deal with that. Most people who are treated and have been in, in, in treatment for mental illness have routines and manners by which that they can go about uh, addressing situations when they come up, whether that's on their own or by calling somebody and you know, uh, or taking their medications or whatever is necessary, or even taking a break and going home. I mean, these things are all important to be part of a routine within a gaming group um, and I, I personally under, I understand how difficult it can be to talk about this especially because there is so much uh, stigma oftentimes associated with, with mental illness um, but uh, it is it, well, this is the first thing I always say is it is an illness uh, and so therefore the same way that, that uh, you should uh, you, you can uh, feel comfortable talking about having you know the flu uh, this is you shouldn't uh, feel uncomfortable talking about any. It, this is in my mind. I know it's it's much worse, obviously, but uh, I'm an advocate for communication and open communications between people in the gaming community as much as you can feel comfortable doing so. Um, and because of that, communication will allow the people that you're playing with at your table or in the LARP that you're in to understand what's happening with you. If you don't feel like disclosing your your issue to everybody. Certainly, if you feel comfortable, uh, especially to the GM or to the game organizers, so they at least understand how to assist you if you are in a bad situation. Um, and of course, for you to take the steps to understand what uh, you need to do so that uh, you can take care of yourself. I personally, whenever I go to a boffer LARP, um, I, get, I tend to get triggered into mania, which is really bad, which basically means I think I'm on the top of the world and can kill anything in, in the woods. And uh, I'll run for three days straight, and then when I come home, I kind of fall over and uh, sleep for a month and get really, really depressed like two days later. It happens really easily. Uh, also, I don't eat. I don't drink uh, because I don't need to because I'm superwoman. It's awesome. And then it's terrible because then I get sick. So I have friends of mine who I have told about this. They know. They know when to watch out for me. They know what the issues are, and they know when to tell me, Shoshana, did you take your medicine? Did you eat? Did you drink? Go to sleep. <laughs> Sit down and stay still. Stop talking for a second and think about what's going on. And all of these things are checks and balances that I put in place. Um, but on a game design side, the space needs to be provided for these things to exist. Uh, I've run into quite too many games where there is a culture of, this is what I call it, the culture of hardcore, uh, where it's the idea that you know, you have to you have to suck it up and just you know, go as hard as you possibly can and like keep role playing. Don't break the scene and do all that stuff. Nonsense in my eyes. It's absolute nonsense. Um, the way that I've explained it to somebody who said that to me is, are you going to be going to work for me on Monday morning? Are you going to take care of me when I'm sick on Monday morning? 
uh, when I'm going to the doctor, are you paying the bills? So the point being, uh, to combat this combat this uh, culture of hardcore, I think that there's a there's an emphasis that we have to put as developers on accessible space for people to take breaks. Um, that we have to discuss uh, de-emphasizing immersion overall. Uh, that there has to be a an appreciation of immersion, but safety, uh, personal safety first, and that uh, there needs to be this relief of peer pressure on players uh, and GMs. Uh, f to push as hard as they possibly can at the detriment of their own health. Um, these are my two like major uh, contributions, I think, to the conversation. Um, tune in to see if I can actually wheelchair combat later. But we'll see. <laughs> That'll be a later time. I we'll will help <laughs> if awesome. I have to. They're going to turn me into a gun turret. Like, it's going to be crazy, Ben. We've been joking about this for a while. Mm -hmm. I think we actually have to make it a reality. The little cow catcher on the front. Like, yeah, <laughs> the the I push and press the, the button. The Daleks are the most terrifying monsters in the galaxy. I mean, come on. You can outdo that. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. Anyway, Elsa's up. Elsa. Okay, um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, sort of the mechanics of character creation uh, first. Um, I feel like a lot of game designers, and I'm going to echo something that Shauna said, I think it's lazy designing if you feel that disability is just a five-point flaw. This is the explanation that I use. Uh, I'm blind and deaf, and I also have PTSD. Uh, I, my blindness is not a five-point flaw. It's a part of my body. It's part of how I interact with the world. So for me, it's like, um, no, that just is how I interact with people and things. It's an attribute. So I feel like there are ways of writing your games to not feel like you're othering disability. Uh, and I also feel that there are ways to write disability that are inclusive rather than exclusive. Um, disability is a part of people's lives. It's not just a little ticky box. So um, that's one of the major things that I want to talk about is just how to do that. The first thing that you do is that you eliminate the if you take this flaw, it means that you have this many points to spend on other cool stuff. Because that's not how it works. Are, are people familiar with like the game systems that do that? Okay, I yeah. just want to, I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so in World of Darkness, that's, that's one of the ones that does this. Uh, you go through enduring character creation, and you'll pick different flaws... Like, you get a certain number of character creation points. If you take flaws, you get more character creation points. Because they kind of add in. And there's only a certain number that you can take. You could take up to seven. In, in the old World of Darkness, it was you could take up to seven. Uh, I think, it, what was it, seven? I think it was like that. Seven. Seven, seven points. But, gap, yeah. but they would have, the flaws would be anything from... You know, you're socially inept, or like you're really ugly, uh, or something like that. To you have mental illness, to to blindness, to all these things. Yeah. yeah, and so I've when I was growing up with games, that was a lot of what my friends played was World of Darkness, and it really would always bug me. They'd be like, "You could just take the blindness stat, and then you could take other stuff." I'm not going to do that, mm -hmm. but thanks. So I started hacking games. At that point, I started basically ripping through our you know, core books, and saying, no, that's not a stat that I agree with. I'm going to rewrite this so that it makes sense. Because it's this. also, some of the text was really insulting. <laughs> and that was the mm -hmm. other part of it. So if you're going to write disability characteristics, you need to write them in a way that doesn't make it turn into, 
oh, look at the poor disabled person. Look how sad their life is because they can't see or hear or not use a wheelchair. It's really annoying. <laughs> so with mental illness, that's the other side of this. When you write mental illness stuff, please don't make it about the crazies. Please make it about legitimate mental health issues. I have PTSD. I've seen so many games that take PTSD and just make it the crazy veterans who come back from war and they have flashbacks and it really misrepresents what the mental illness is and how it functions in your life. Tune in for a panel. I think I'm running it tomorrow. Uh-huh. That's called Mental Illness in Games, which is going to talk all about the games that do this and ways that we potentially can uh, hack it to make it better. So if you're interested. One of the things that actually changed my opinion a lot on that was when I started to, you know, be medicated and get treatment. When I realized that it was referred to as behavioral health and behavioral medicine rather than like mental illness you know or well it's also psychiatric medicine yeah and mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's a medical situation mm-hmm. so i that's part of the issue with design but the other part of design that i want to talk about is the actual things that you put in your book character sheets people like to put lots of fancy things on their character sheets lots of tiny type or old looking fonts i can't read those There's actually a lot of people who can't read those, and when you make teeny tiny boxes for people to fill their information in, it makes it really hard to read your own character sheet. I have had to oversize character sheets for most of my life, and it means that everybody else has these neat little one-page documents, and I have this giant thing that's been taped to the table in the correct format so that I have four pages that make up one character sheet. And um, I've gotten to the point where now I'm just like, I'm just going to type everything up for myself and come to game rather than deal with bullshit. Because I've, I've gotten tired of having to be the person at the table who's taking up all of this space. There are ways to make your character sheets accessible. There are ways to make your books accessible. Um, one of the biggest things I recommend is using a serif font. Because sans serif fonts... Uh, they lack certain characteristics of letters that make it distinguishable for people with low vision. So I, can, I can't tell the difference between a lowercase l and an uppercase i in, uh, in sans serif fonts. So it's really challenging for me when I'm reading a book that's in sans serif font and I'm going, why does that word start with it? No, that's grammatically incorrect. I'm also an editor, so this makes me just nuts. Can I toss one in for sure. that? Um, when you're also doing your layout for your books, um, making sure that the background of the page is not too dark for those who, against the type font. I've seen also, a lot of- don't use patterns as your backgrounds yeah. on large amounts of text um, because you'll end up just muddling where the text is. So that's another portion. Um, as well with LARPs, in addition to making it a safe place for people to play, you also need to make it an accessible place to play. And again, that's a lot of, you know, lazy thinking if you're not being creative with it. Uh, I will remind everybody here, um, does everybody know what the Americans with Disabilities Act is? Okay. You might want to go over it. Yeah, just in case. Sure. Um... So the Americans with Disabilities Act was ratified in 1993, and it's a document that covers 
sort of disability access legally with regard to architecture and with regard to um, educational access, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Uh, buildings have to be accessible. Stairs are not an accept are not an acceptable version of access. If you have two stairs, your building is inaccessible to people with wheelchairs. So when you're talking about access, if you have a LARP, your LARP should not be in a building that is not accessible. And if it is in a building that is inaccessible, you're basically saying that you, you don't have the location to welcome people with disabilities to your game. You're not, actu you're not actively trying to include the disabled community. And that's really problematic because there are a lot of disabled gamers. I know a bunch of blind gamers, I know deaf gamers, I know gamers in wheelchairs, and all of them say the same thing. I can't get into many buildings. My deaf friends mostly just swear a lot because their blind friends can't come. But <laughs> it's, it's a really interesting situation because I've done a bunch of LARPs in both Seattle and in New York, and I've been invited to games where they asked me to test out their game for accessibility, and then they tell me I have to go up two flights of stairs. I'm like, okay, you guys know I don't have depth perception, right? So that's another form of sort of difficulty in just the mechanics of getting people to your game and getting people to be able to be at the table. So um, I guess sort of my last thing I would say about this is that uh, I also feel like people will come to me asking questions like, how do I bring a deaf person to my game? How do I get a person with a wheelchair into my game? And every disability and every disabled person has a different reaction. People with disabilities all don't have the same guidelines. One person who I know who is deafblind like I am might not prefer the same techniques that I do. So the biggest thing is, is to ask respectfully, but also know that it's not their job to educate you. Their job, if you're saying, I'm the GM and I want you to come play in my game, their job is just, you know, the job of the player is not to teach you what it means to have a disability. So if they come to you and say, I have PTSD, I have triggers, your job is not to ask what's PTSD. Your job is to go look it up. We have phones, they have Google. Yeah, um, it's great. You know, you can walk around with this little encyclopedia in your hand. Can I add one more thing? Because you just brought it up, actually, sure. about accessibility. And um, one of the things that actually came up when I was speaking to people about including accessibility in their games, especially in LARPs, actually, was um, this strange idea that they're like, well, we can't add accessibility, like, in certain ways, especially, like, you know, out-of-character stuff that, you know, we're making combat a little easier because they say it's not fair because other people may take advantage of that mm -hmm. when they don't have disabilities, and therefore they'll be cheating. So we're opening up the possibility for players to cheat. And my response to that is, absolutely not. Please let me wield a sword. <laughs> well, the, the thing that I particularly say is, you know, in a game that I design, if a person, like, I oftentimes uh, design towards having safe mental spaces for people to step outside and sit down and, and step out of the game, even if it's a combat game. This is something I, I want to do. And my friends have said, well, well, what happens if a player just wants to, like, get out of trouble in the game? So they're like, I can't handle it, and I step out of character, and they step out of character to get away from in-character repercussions. And my answer has always been the same. I would rather have 100 players do that and like rather than allowing one person who really needs to do it to have to be stuck in a situation where they're going to go through a hard time. 
So, I mean, the idea that other players are going to take advantage of these resources and that, therefore, that's a reason to, like, people who don't need them taking advantage, uh, and, and that's a reason not to have it is um, ludicrous to me. That's that's also expecting the worst of everybody else. Exactly. Which and is awful to quite me. Quite frankly, if you're, try, if you're basically saying that able-bodied people are going to take advantage of it so the disabled people can't have it, that's really discriminatory. And it really it's just, just awful makes about it, the human race. It makes us not want to play mm. because in the end, it's like, oh, so you're not going to accommodate me because of other people? Awesome. Um, I also just want to say that uh, if you are writing a game and you want people with dis- if you want to de- uh, deploy, just des- describe uh, people with disabilities. If you want to incorporate people with disabilities, get somebody with a disability working on your game. Have somebody consult. Because there is nothing that can replace an actual experience. And even if you you grew up with a friend who is blind or deaf, talking to somebody who is an adult and who can express their experience to you, is irre- it's irreplaceable. And there are plenty of people in the gaming community who are willing to... Hi, I'm a consultant. What, yeah. What's up? Like that's, Hi, I'm a consultant. Yeah, so my cards are available. You can hire us. That's what we do. Cool. So I think Russell... Sure. Um, well, as I said at the beginning, I um, my day job is with a nonprofit organization, uh, Learning Ally, and uh, our focus is on making textbooks accessible to students um, in, in in different ways. Uh, at least that's what it used to be. Today, we've broadened out a lot more, and we do a lot more to try and educate people, sort of about dyslexia, to try and get um, get parents to understand what that means, to try and get students in touch with doctors who can get them diagnosis so that the schools will recognize you know, what, uh, what accommodations these students might need. And one of the things we try to emphasize is we try to use the, the, word, uh, the words learning disability less and less and really focus more on the idea of learning difference. I mean, this is something we see all over. People you know, who are dyslexic are not stupid. There's not, you know, it, they're not uh, uh, dumb. They're not incapable of understanding stuff. I mean, our our brains, the way that, uh, you know, our speech center is something that evolved over millions of years. We've got a part of our brain devoted to that. We don't have a reading center in our head. That's built out of out of memory. So, you know, it, in the instance of a lot of, of dyslexics who have that, uh, 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 that form of the difference, it really just comes down to an idea that, in a way, they're relearning to read as they read each time. And there are a lot of other factors that go into it. I mean, there's no one like, oh, dyslexia. There are you know, lots of, of varieties to it. And um, recently, a lot of research has shown that uh, perhaps one in every five people might have some, some degree of dyslexia. And what that means is that they have this learning difference. They can still you know, learn things just as well as anyone who is not dyslexic, but you need to offer different media. You need to offer the information through different means. You know, I've had players who, in retrospect, I've realized were dyslexic because they didn't want to read the books. The books were confusing to them. They wanted, you know, everyone to sit down and talk it out. They wanted to watch demonstrations of everything, and they latched onto that right away. But as soon as I asked, as soon as I told them, like, well, just go look it up in the book, that was the end, you know, because that wasn't the way that they learned, you know. And it works for people who, you know, it works for just as many people who are not dyslexic. Uh, one of the one of the former VPs of our company used to talk about how his his dyslexic son would get the textbooks from our library, and his 
And you know, his other son, who was not dyslexic, would also get his textbooks from our library because it was just faster to listen to them. He learned it better, and then he had more time to go play Halo instead of studying. So what I wanted to do, this is a long lead-up, what I wanted to do is I decided that when I made my game, um, I wanted to make sure that it was released in that format as an accessible book, meaning that it included an audiobook that is synchronized to the text because that's one of the big things we can do to help dyslexics. We don't just, you know, yeah, we can push the text aside and say, look, learn from the audiobook, listen, listen, listen. But it's, um, it's a much better way to reach people with learning differences if you can give them exposure to both media organized. So a big part of the process was to take the book, convert it, um, you know, make sh as I was writing it, I did a lot to try and, and ease the accessibility of it. I avoided sidebars. I avoided references back and forth. I restructured the book again and again and again so I wouldn't need footnotes. I wouldn't need endnotes. I wouldn't need C page blah blah blah. I wanted it to be one through narrative so that when I sat down to record it, I could record it end to end. It would be one continuous document. It would introduce subjects. It would restate subjects. And I wouldn't have people trying to bounce around because that's one of the biggest problems with an audiobook is a rewind, fast forward, rewind, fast forward. That's not as much of a problem as it I used to be. I also want to interrupt yeah. for one second. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, the issue with uh, learning from a text can also be difficult for people with low vision uh, because we don't have the visual learning mm -hmm. the capabilities that many sighted people do. And so it's very and lots useful. with uh, lots of. Uh, uh, people with different mental illnesses also yes. have, have mm -hmm. issues of concentration and um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Just wanted I mean, to throw that. It works that. for it works for a lot of people. It was actually one of the reasons why I backed your Kickstarter in the first place. That's right. Yay. <laughs> yep. So um, a lot of this stuff is written up on my blog, um, robotclaw.info, because what I did was rather than just take this stuff into the office and you know, use all of our proprietary stuff and whatnot and tell our volunteers to do it and all that kind of thing. I said, I'm just gonna do this on myself. I got all of the free um, tools that are out there. The DAISY Consortium, daisy.org, um, has worked, a lot of programmers are working in order to create um, free tools that can be used to make accessible textbooks. So I wrote out my text, you know, with that attention to detail, I laid it out. I made sure that my PDF was text searchable that's important. And then I converted it into an EPUB book using Caliber. And I loaded into this lovely little program here called Toby. And I sat down and I recorded for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. The end result is a seven-hour audio file connected to a, an EPUB file. Um, that was time intensive. You know, this is the problem. I think this is what's stopping a lot of developers from you know, from, from getting on board with this, I've tried talking to a few other developers. I've seen some people say, yeah, that's a good idea. I know all my stuff's going to be like this from here on out, but it's time intensive. It's labor intensive. You know, that was 24 man hours in order to get seven hours of audio output. But the end result is that now I can hop onto Redium, another free software download that's a plug-in to Google. And now, when I want to read my book, I can make this guy read it for me. Accessibility matters. A hobby built on imagination and creativity shouldn't be kept behind the barrier of the printed word. I'm committed to making gaming accessible. For information about free downloads... And if books, I want to go look up a rule, I go to my find, 
And I look up, uh, ba ba ba. Firearms, because I'm wearing a tie. And there we go. Highlighting my sections, highlighting my chapters. I can immediately tap. Look at that. There it is. I hit play. Firearms, weapons. RDAV, combat rifle. What would I do differently with this thing? I would have taken more time. There are still glitches. There are places where I pop the peas on the microphone, you know. Um, but I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of this. I'm really happy with this. I think it's a good step. I want to see more people doing this sort of thing so that, you know, the book is, it's a huge EPUB file. It's bigger than anyone's seen, but here it is. You sit down, you, you know, you plug it in, you just, you know, you tap on the screen. Summary. Players may spend id to benefit and page through. Frenzy. Saints on a rampage have... Etc. And you get that accessibility to the book. It's right there, right in front of you. You can see it. You can hear it. You get a, uh, you know, highlighted text so that you can read along as it goes. You know, it's, it's... I'm so happy with, uh, with, with being able to show it off like this, really. Uh, yeah. I think it's, honestly, I think it's really fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's one of the first major steps that I've seen in making text more accessible. Um, you know, there, there, I mean, there was a lot of people who, who have sort of talked about the fact that game books are, for, uh, for a number of reasons, uh, extreme gatekeepers to the community. Mm -hmm. One being, even for those who are not disabled, that these texts come out and they're like, gigantic and they make everybody intimidated now imagine if not only are you intimidated but on top of that you have a you have a, a disability that's making it hard for you to interact with the text so people this is one of the options um, mm -hmm. uh, video has also been sort of engaged as, as, an, as a possibility with people making how-to videos of how to play games doing run-throughs of, of games that they love. So the fans, so, so, so actually the gaming community besides developers mm -hmm. has also been engaging in that to make it easier, well just to share what they love, but it's also been get, making it easier mm -hmm. for those who want who learn visually uh, in, in, or in different ways. Yeah. Well and also, you, oh, sorry. this is one of those things where um, every one of the commitments that I have as a writer is that I will never publish a game that will not be accessible to people who are like me because I want people who are of the same disability that I have to be able to play my games, mm -hmm. especially since some of them actually have blind characters, and I would Where? like people to be able to find themselves in a book, mm -hmm. which is a lot of what we talk about. I can't find myself here. Yep. So finding things like this means that I can actually say, oh, this is what I want my publisher to do. Mm -hmm. here. And as her publisher, I'm glad to hear about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> One yep. of them. One of them, yes. Yep. I mean, as, as I said, I did all this with, with free tools. I'm really happy that it came out this way. I do want to see other people doing the same thing, you know, and even uh, doing better than that. Um, 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 I'm sorry, I did forget what I was going to say. Sorry, okay. Question. Yes. What was your blog ad or blog uh, it's, address? Uh, and is your description of how you did that in the various programs mm -hmm. located along your blog? Yeah, yeah robotclaw.info. The big, the front page one talks about the game. And then there are, you know, links to the different articles. Another thing that I wanted to know, the, the accessible audiobook version is free. This, you just go and you download this for free. Readium is free. You can pick it up and just read it, you know, wherever you want. If you feel like buying the game at some later date to support my efforts, whatever. But, but I wanted to make sure that with, with everything I, I seriously publish, everything I seriously release, I want to make sure that it's always has this accompanying audiobook freely available for people so that, you know, nobody is... You know, no, nobody has to, has to look at, at, at one of my books and be intimidated because, oh, all those pages, all those tables, all those charts, you know, that, that's a barrier, you know, to, to my understanding. I want to make sure they, they always had this way to say, well, you know, 
I don't need to be paging through this. I don't need to be squinting over it. I can, you know, I have this alternative there. Uh, and also, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for. There, there, I mean, there is one opportunity that I've sort of been waiting to see. I would love us to, as a community, embrace Braille. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really a. That's a whole other. It's like, so hard to do that. Yeah, I know. It's. I mean, it, it, it's a real big question for me because I have a friend of mine who is. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who sort of does need uh, mm-hmm. to do that if they want to be engaged with the community. Um, and it's, t- it's so difficult. Well, because Braille, part of the issue with Braille is that there's so few people who use it at yes. this point. Yes. Because Braille is being phased out for other technologies mm-hmm. that, like, I'm blind and I don't read Braille. Yeah. I mean, and, and uh, there's enough people I know also who don't engage with uh, you know, AS, uh, American Sign Language mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Uh, it used to be, it was strange because I remember that it used to be like high schools would offer it as classes and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we've had combat LARPers who were, who were, we had one uh, gentleman who came in who was deaf and um, uh, there was one player out of 350 mm-hmm. who knew sign language who basically stuck to his, his le- mm-hmm. like side mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- he did read lips so it was a little easier. But, um, these things, like trying to find technological assistances for these things, uh, or finding ways to mechanically flag for things otherwise. Um, but this is an, a wonderful step, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering what else we can do to sort of uh, well, further another, that and make that happen. Another one that I mentioned this morning in my sort of my other panel about disability was that uh, there's a thing called Bookshare. And I think if we get more people volunteering to transcribe to transcribe books, oh, book that share, awesome. would be really great because it's a way for people who are fully blind to access books mm-hmm. that have been sort of reconstituted. Yeah, um, as as a bookshare volunteer and also somebody who has um, several mutual blind gaming friends, and I was talked to them about access to game things. This is actually, besides just being fantastic in general, EPUB is one of the best formats. So even if you're just taking small steps to accessibility, because EPUB is uh, XHTML based, it's mm-hmm. much more compatible yep. with for screen readers technology. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you have yeah, that basis there, it's even better than like a text readable, text searchable PDF is good, but an EPUB, um, according to friends who use screen reader technology, is just the world's better because the structure, mm-hmm. the PDF doesn't I just want to say stuff. thank you to Ruth because she's our local librarian metadata genius. <laughs> so... She's the one I go to for this kind of information. Mm-hmm. So, so I'd love to open up the floor to questions mm-hmm. in a second, but I want to toss out one last thing for, and that's, um, you know, in a lot of the things that we talk about, you know, I like to add the fact that, you know, game designers can do a lot and heads of games can do a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's another component, of course, to the community, and that's, that's everybody, that's, that's players. Um, so I'm all about this uh, idea of, you know, like a safe community working together to build, you know, the kind of community that they want. And uh, when when a person who comes into the, your community uh, has disabilities or has other needs, um, it's it's not on it's not on the, you to take care of them. It's not on you to to you know to to go and and to sort of. Uh, Please don't pamper us. That's the word I was trying not. To, yeah, but yeah, there you go. But at the same time, um, building a language of communication and understanding and understanding what they need uh, to feel welcome uh, is is very important. I'm all about uh, asking if you don't know, but ask respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, if you don't understand what what's happening or how to help or uh, just you need information about how to engage in a respectful manner. 
uh, asking always helps. Uh, I never have any problems when people ask me, oh, you know, how come you can stand up out of the chair and walk around? Like, if they ask in a respectful manner, like, is there, you know, is there a way I can help you? Do you need something? Blah, blah, blah. If it's asked in a respectful manner, I've had people, you know, be really rude about it. But um, understand that it's sometimes difficult for a person to talk about this stuff in the first place. And also make another point, which mm. is that disabled bodies are not for you to move. Whether oh. it is somebody who is a person in a chair, don't push their chair for them. If that happened a, at Gen Con. If so. there is a blind person Oof. who is trying to cross the street, please don't grab them by the arm and march them across the con floor because it might not be where they're going. Mm. So please don't touch disabled bodies without asking if that's okay. Because our bodies seem to be public property sometimes, and it's really not okay. I guess the short answer to that is just don't make assumptions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't and don't don't treat a person's body. In the case of the person who like grabbed my wheelchair and pushed me out of the way, my answer to that person immediately after I stopped cursing was, um, "Would you do that to a, or another person? Would you just shove them out of the way? If you wouldn't, then don't do that to somebody else." So the answer really is, don't. If you wouldn't do it to somebody else, why would you? Why would you ever consider it okay yeah. to someone who's disabled? So, um, w- is it okay then if we open up the floor to questions? Because we sure. got about. Well, I do. I do want to say one oh, other okay. thing because my, my boss would kill me if I didn't say that. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, Learning Ally is a volunteer organization as well. So, if you are interested in, you know, if you're interested in volunteering with Bookshare, you're interested in volunteering with Learning Ally. We're opening up new at-home volunteering opportunities. So if you're interested to learn more about this, you know, there are plenty of links on my blog as well to Learning Ally, but, you know, check that out as well because, they, you know, they, that's that's where I work. That's where we get a lot of this stuff done. I mean, yeah, I, I'm... They've told me that I might be able to put this into the catalog, and if we can, I'm going to try and, and work my wiles to see if I can get them to put more uh, RPGs in the, uh, in the, in the, into the mix. The problem with that is a lot of it comes down to publishers. You know, I don't know how many publishers are happy with the idea of giving away a free audiobook version of their stuff or letting, you know, the text out there in an easy-to-copy format. But, you know, I, mean, I think when they realize um, how much audience um. they're missing out, that they, you know, that they can do a lot to... Uh, Talk to me. Yeah. Uh, yes, seriously. Yeah. I, All right, good. I yes. absolutely have no problems with uh, Well, I can't speak for my business partner, but I'm pretty sure that we've had no problem. Uh, I mean, and also, yeah. like, this well, is the thing. I'm publishing something for Evil Hat, and part of my contract is that it has to be accessible. Mm-hmm. If accessibility means that we have to release the PDF form, that's what we have to well, do. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk with them about yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, obviously, but yeah. But it's, but it's, you know, they know that this is something that's important to me, and that's a dialogue that we're having, is like, how do we make this the most accessible that we can? And mm-hmm. that's that's interesting that a lot of companies are now making that part of the conversation, mm-hmm. which is very important right now. Um, Made a uh, yeah, hand up? You've been having a hand up for a while back well, there. Well, no, I mean, I just, I, I've been going on, on this uh, idea since you mentioned the idea. The, the theme that's been running through these, these three presentations is that um, this phrase that you're sort of skirting around, it seems to me, which is just simply that the chance to design for disability is also the chance to design a better and healthier game. It's, you know, for everybody. Yep. Um, I was trying not to put it that way, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because specifically the idea that I react to is the idea of the, the brave room in, in the bar. Like, if you're freaking miserable, it's okay to take a break. How is that a harmful message for anybody? Yeah, I, so that I, yeah, that's sorry. the kind of thing that, that to me this is a chance, not something where it's like please help us, but help everybody. 
Yeah, and but the, the thing that you're running that that we run into, I agree completely. I've been saying this all the time. Like, how is it so difficult? Like, if we had a if you had a hardcore boffer larp, and then sitting on the side is a little tent with cookies and tea, and like you could just sit for twenty minutes if you were like completely overwrought. How is that taking away from anything? Like I said, the how is that making the experience worse for somebody who's quote unquote normal? Yeah, and yeah. maybe they're having a bad day. And yep. They need a break. And I and I've presented it to a number of players who then are like, well, it takes away from the experience of how intense it needs to be, and I'm like, you're not actually at war. <laughs> 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 And even this is if not you, actually wait, the apocalypse. And even if you were, wouldn't it be cool if you could go up to the general and be like, please set up some tea and cookies for us. We'll fight harder. Like, it's just, come on. I mean, wouldn't that be a great world? Wait, you can control that here. You can't control yeah. that if you're going out to an actual battlefield. But here you can actually take a little bit better care of your people. I mean, so to me that just makes no sense, but it's this hardcore, like, I'm tough and I can handle anything that absolutely makes no sense to me after a while. And it's just machismo. And, and I want to follow up with that and say that, you know, I'm writing a tabletop game right now that's about uh, housewives fighting 19, 19, 1950s housewives fighting zombies. And there are disabled people in this game and they kick butt. <laughs> there's, there's a demo character who is a person in a wheelchair and they have a shotgun. You know why? Because the recoil just tips them backwards a little bit. <laughs> oh, if I have not, I, I can't believe I didn't say this since the beginning. Um, uh, disabled people kick ass the same way that everybody else does. Uh, and <laughs> she does that a lot. It scares me. There's an entire uh, part of a specific level of Aikido that you need to get to where you have to be able to do every single technique out of the chair. Yep. Um, and in fact, there's this guy, Minoru Mochizuki, who when he was, I think, 75 and confined to a wheelchair. And so mm. fighting him with a sword was impossible. Mm. Right? He, would kick, he would kick your ass every time. Just one language note. Um, confined isn't really the term most people use. It's it's a wheelchair yeah. user because mm. it's a tool. Right. right. So... Yeah. So Matt, you had a. Uh, oh, sorry. There, there are a couple of hands up. Actually. Yeah. Uh, let's start on this side. I think. Yeah. One of the things that I struggle with is, I think the idea of making sort of character sheets or even physical spaces or uh, you know other sort of game materials more accessible is certainly uh, a fairly concrete goal. On the more sort of emotional side of things, I think that where. I personally sometimes sort of run into trouble with knowing how to make games more accessible is some of the some of the content that tends to be popular in the indie tabletop scene is sort of inherently uh, pretty, seems to be pretty inherently triggery for people with a, a certain but fairly wide range of uh, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, I, I've heard like a lot of people say, like, you know, I'm just not gonna play this game because I don't think it could be like emotionally possible for me and of course I want to respect that I want to you know just say like okay that's totally cool no pressure like mm -hmm. you know and if, if I've already invited that person maybe I'll find a different game on the other hand like those games exist and are out there and are certainly a big part of like my lexicon of gaming and of a lot of other people that I know and I, and I want to sort of think about how to find a balance there on that sort of more abstract level and I hope that's a clear question yeah, no, that's a completely fair question. Um, you know, so so here's my perspective. And this is the part where I sort of 
almost slightly deviate from what I've said before, which is, uh, um, you know, that we should make everything accessible. Uh, there are some games that the designers, like I said, are going to choose to include content that's that's difficult, mm-hmm. that are going to, and that is their choice, again, and the freedom to design uh, says that you're, you know, able to do that. Um, it is, uh, every person has to sort of look at themselves and see whether or not with the with the design that has been made, whether or not they can psychologically and emotionally sort of deal with what's going on in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, what's up? Yep. Um, but the important part about it is is uh, if you try and you and you talk to the GM and you say mm-hmm. maybe there's a way that we can work around certain things. Uh, that way you can be involved. Uh, there are ways there there are always ways in my opinion to make accommodations. However, there are certain games that really will hit hard. Mm-hmm. All together, like it's not like there's a little piece. It's like all together. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I think as the individual player, you have to make a decision as to whether or not that game was for you. Um, this an example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Wraith is a game that I love and I love running it. But there are people who say, "Oh no, I am not playing that. <laughs> that is too dark. That is too intense, and I can't handle it." And that's fine. And to give you a really perfect example is. Uh, a uh, video game that I picked up recently, which is Alien Isolation, mm-hmm. really desperately wanted to play this game, uh, but the tension level is so high yeah. that it actually was triggering massive uh, tension migraines in mm-hmm. me. Like, because I was my shoulders were up to here, and I was the whole time because of the the tension level of the aliens. Yeah. And finally, I just literally threw the controller across the house, and I was like, apparently, I'm going to GameStop to sell something because I I just couldn't do it, yeah. and it, it upset me because I think in that case the design actually could have. Uh, made it more accessible. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's actually it's like hard setting is all you got, and that's it. And there's yeah. no like lesser. Yeah. Um, and that bothered me. I but was in having some the same places, issue with Dishonored actually. Yeah, Dishonored gave me an anxiety attack after approximately 45 minutes of play, and I had to shut it off. Mm-hmm. But in those cases, those games uh, may have had opportunities, especially I think Alien Isolation does, to kind of lower the the tension levels a little bit, and then it would have made it more accessible to a, a, a larger audience. Yeah. That, that, that was like an arms race in that case. They yeah. were trying to ramp it up and ramp it up to prove that, yeah. like, oh, you know, indie studios are making their scary yeah. games. Well, big money can make scarier. So. Yeah. Let's let's hop over here because um, I don't want to. Uh... I this isn't really a question. Um, this is more of a slight plug, just because I'm gonna help with this. Um, tonight at 8 o'clock, I am running another um, focus group for a game that I am in the beginning processes of creating um, tentatively called Monsters, but it is focused on irrational thoughts and how to utilize gaming to be cathartic about rational, irrational thoughts. The last night's session went incredibly well, and it was wonderful. And so I just wanted to make it known that that is a thing at 8 o'clock tonight, that if you would like to come, I have no chat on who comes. And as part of this discussion, I would love to hear anyone, as somebody with a disability and with mental illness, I'm trying to make this as accessible as possible. Cool. So thank you. I'm going to give – there's one, yeah, that one yeah. last question we're going to try to get well, to. I have a couple of comments about things that you were talking about, and then I also have a question. Um, you're saying – also an invisible disease because yes. my daughter is 23 years old and she has fibro and if somebody had walked up to her and pushed her yeah. as they did she would be screaming and crying. absolutely an invisible disease so yeah. it, it is it's it's an invisible I have disease. chronic pain so I it, yeah. Yeah. it's horrible it's horrible what she goes through 23 years old um, and also I wanted to say that a couple of years ago I designed a game for children using braille 
and I never knew what to do with it. I don't do LARPs I, or RPGs. I do board games and card mm -hmm. games, and I designed a, a card game, but I never know what to do with it. I, I don't know if there are particular printers that would do Braille. Or if there I know who you could talk to. Distribution sites. Talk to Elsa afterwards. She's yeah. got some resources about yep. this. Perfect. And what was your question? If we can squeeze it in real quick before we have to go, you had a question. Oh, no, that, was that was it. Yeah. Okay. Hey, there we go. Uh, so thank you very much, everybody. Uh, again, this is Russell. Why don't you uh, your website one more time? Uh, Robotclaw.info. Elsa to contact uh, you. Feministshonar.com. And I'm Shoshana Kassok. If you can spell it, you can find me on the internet. Uh, that's my running joke now. Uh, if you can't, it's one N. Everybody, one N. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you want my card, please, you know, to get in contact with us. Uh, and thank you so much for coming. Oh, and the mental illness panel, mental illness and games. It's tomorrow, I think. Yeah. Right, Justin. Here, which I regret. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Eleven o'clock tomorrow. There we go.